you know, people's identity, you know, we, we, like I said, we deal with this thing of identity crisis. You know, people's identity sometimes is, is tied up to their spouse, to their children, uh, to their look, to their career. You know, for, for instance, a person whose identity is tied up to their job or career, when they lose their job, they feel that they go through an identity crisis. It's like, you know, everything that I am is tied up to this thing, and now I don't have it. So that's how you experience what we know as an identity crisis. You see, your identity is based, if it's based on your looks, when you feel ugly that day, you have a crisis. You know, you get up, it's like, I don't know what I want to do. It's like, because you, you, you're so used to your looks. I mean, everything was perfect, but today it ain't. And then you have what we know as an identity crisis. You know, there, even in our society, you know, uh, people experience that. There are a lot of people, they don't know who they are. And they, they suffered uh, from what we know an identity crisis. Now, the definition of, of the dictionary, Google Dictionary, says an identity crisis is a period of uncertainty or confusion in which a person person's sense of identity becomes insecure, typically due to a change in their expected aims or role in society. Like, I'm not quite sure who I am. Or I'm, you know, like, every, my life was based on my wife. You know, you know how people say sometimes, they say, like, you are my world. Oh, that woman, that guy is my world. Hopefully you don't say that because when that woman or that guy changes, that means your world is turned upside down. And then you will go through an identity crisis. Uh, I love, some of you who know me, I love watching movies. Uh, one, of the great, one of the great movies that I love to watch is The Born Identity. You remember Jason Bourne, he wakes up and he realizes he has so many skills. Like, he has no idea where he got the skills from. And in, in, in that movie, he said, how is it that I can tell you the, the license plates or the 12 cars in the parking lot? I know that waiter uh, uh, is left-handed. I know that man knows, knows how to handle himself. Why would I know that, he said. Why would I, like he doesn't know who he is. And then they made the born identity, the born supremacy. And then Jason, Jason Bourne, his idea is he wants to know who he is. Because he said, how is it that I woke up and I, can, I have skills like I did not even know. And I don't even know who I am. That's why it's called the born identity. He suffered from an identity crisis. He didn't know who he was. CIA agent and, and now they want to kill him. It's like, why? Why do you want to kill me? I know a lady, and she grew up in a church. Mom and dad grew up in a church. I mean, she, she was part of the youth group or everything. But at one time, she got married, and now she formed her own life, you know, her own house. She felt that she needed to leave that church because she said, my, my life, my identity is attached to my parents. I need to be on my own. And she left, you know, because she realized, like, everybody knows me here by I'm the daughter of X, y, X and Y. And I don't want to be known like that, she said. And they left the church because she realized her own, her life, her identity was based on the family uh, last name. And she wanted to just be herself somewhere. And she did. Identity crisis can happen to any of us. When we forget, really, we, we go through a period of uncertainty, confusion. Like, who am I? That's the question. Now, the Bible tells us of people who experience identity crisis. So you and I, if you are... If you're one of those experiencing that right now, you are in good company. I'm glad you're here because we're going to see somebody who's very famous in the Bible. And he went through that. And let's see how he managed it, how he overcame this crisis that he, that he experienced in his life. You know, I want to talk to you about this man named Moses. Remember the movie, The Prince of Egypt? 
Hebrew, grew up in Egypt. You know, and then when he was 40, the Bible says that he saw an Egyptian mistreating a Hebrew, and he wrestled the Egyptian, killed him, and buried him in the sand. And then later on they found out, at one time he saw two Hebrews arguing. He said, hey, hey, don't do that. And, and then somebody said, who made you judge? We know what you did. So 40 years old, Moses takes off running because he has, he's afraid of Pharaoh. He goes to a different land, you know, the land of Midian. And there, you know, he, he rescues some shepherd girls, that, uh, you know, from some, from some of the people. Then he ended up marrying uh, somebody, a, a woman from Jethro. Jethro was Moses' father-in-law. So Moses already realized, you know, yes, I was a murderer in Egypt, but he's, it's, it's a new beginning now. He started afresh. And then one day when he's taking care of the sheep of his father-in-law, God had an encounter with him. And you got your Bible. That's found in the book of Exodus chapter 3. So let's go there. So you see what happened to Moses. Even though he was Hebrew, remember, he was raised in the knowledge of, of the Egyptians. He looked more Egyptians in culture and everything than a Jewish individual. Exodus chapter 3, it says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their, their cry. And because of their taskmasters, I know their suffering. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land. A land flowing with milk and honey. To the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Moses had an encounter with God. Chapter 3. God's really calling Moses on mission. Had a mission for Moses. Remember, Moses is buying his own business. He already had two sons. He's living in media. He's, Egypt is way off his radar. He's not even thinking about going back to that because his past and it was bad. He doesn't want to go back to the past over there. But that's exactly what the Lord comes. And you know the story. Uh, there's a burning bush. God calls his attention to that. And Moses says, well, that, that's strange. That thing has been burning for a while, but it's not being consumed. And from there, the Lord said, Moses, Moses. He said, here I am. 
God introduced himself to Moses. I am the God of your forefathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then God commissioned him. I have seen the, the misery of my people and I, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. So go, verse 10. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, back out of Egypt. God came to commission Moses to die. Moses said, here's a question. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? You see, the identity that we're talking about deals with who you are. So who am I when, God, when Moses is telling God who am I? He's saying, I'm nobody. Why should I go back to Pharaoh? Like, that's not me. You see, who am I? You, how you define yourself? Why you value? Why you believe? Who are you? You and I need to know truly how we answer that question because our identity is attached to that. Who am I? You know, there are people sometimes the identity is attached to that title. There, I know people that you cannot call them, they're, they're pastors, but they would like to be called the reverend. You don't call them any other thing because they get offended. You say, oh, you call them by name. No, I'm the reverend. Their identity is attached to that. So imagine when they start being reverent, they will experience an identity crisis. No, I'm doctor. Oh, I'm that. You know, that's your identity. That's who you are. Uh, and I'm so-and-so. I'm, I'm the son of my last name. You, you hear people too like, no, I never switched religion because I grew up. My great-great-grandma was there and I would die being there. Their identity is attached to that. Who am I? He said. Moses told God, I'm nobody. Why should I go to Egypt? Someone's like, don't you know? I, was running, I ran away from Egypt. I'm, I don't want to go back there. People were looking for me to kill me. Like I said, Egypt was really far off, far away from Moses' radar. He ran from it and never planned to go back again. He started a family, had a wife, two kids. Life is good. And now God comes to disrupt, to disrupt his, his plan. I'm sending, the, I'm sending you to Egypt. Go back to the king of Egypt. Tell him, let my people go. Who am I? That I should go to Egypt. Now, if you read chapter 4, it sheds more light into why, that question. Why Moses said, who am I? You go to chapter 4. Look at verse 1. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? So Moses, who am I? You know, he already lacked, he's lacking confidence. Why would I go? They're not going to believe me anyways if I, if I went. Let's suppose that I go. So, no confidence in the man Moses. They would not believe me. Look at verse 10, chapter 4. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am, I am not eloquent in either in the past or since, since you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and of tongue. People say that maybe he had a stutter problem. So, Lord, I, I'm not eloquent enough to go to Egypt. You send me to a king. I'm a shepherd here. You know, life is good. It's like, I don't even know how to talk to people, you know, professional people. I'm not eloquent enough. I, I, I slow speech. Who am I that I can send somebody, you know what I mean? Send somebody else. Which is exactly what Moses told God in verse 13. The only person who told God, yeah, maybe you made a mistake. Send somebody else. Look what Moses said in verse, chapter 4, verse 13. Because he did not really want to do what the Lord told him to do. Verse 12, now therefore go and I will, this is verse 12 of chapter 4. Now therefore go and I will, uh, and I will be with you with your mouth and teach you what you sh shall speak. But he said, oh my Lord, please 
send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses and said, Is there, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he's coming to meet you. So, you know the great Moses. I mean, we know Moses is mentioned even in, in, the, in the New Testament. But here, the first time he encountered God, he did not know the God of the Hebrews. God appeared to him through the burning bush and said, Hey, take, take off your sandals. And then from there, he's talking, I'm the God of your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I've seen why my people Israel is suffering in Egypt. Now I'm sending you to Egypt to bring my people back. God even told them that he would be successful because he said, when you have gone and come back, you will worship me on this mountain. That mountain where Moses had that experience with the burning bush is the same mountain that many, many years later, he goes to receive the tablets, the Ten Commandments. And that mountain became Sinai or Horeb, the mountain of God. That one time was a blaze and fire and people told Moses, you talk to God because this worship service is intense. God had come down, the smoke and earthquake and, and, and Moses told the people to fear the Lord. He came so that you get to know him better. So here, this is the first time that Moses had an encounter with the God of the Hebrews, Yahweh. Look at verse 12 of chapter 3. God had told Moses, I will be with you. And this should be a sign to you. I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship me. You will worship God on this mountain. God already told him you will be successful in going. But Moses did not understand God. He did not know. He never heard, he never heard God talk to him. And then he began asking God questions. What if they ask me for your name? Look at verse 13. I go to Egypt. Let's say I go. What if they ask me for your name? Uh, verse, Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they, and they asked me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your forefathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to me. This is the name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. The first time that God introduced himself with his personal name. God has so many names. You, you heard the word Elohim, which is the word God. El Shaddai. You know, uh, uh, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. I mean, God has so many names. And here he introduced himself with a name that a lot of, uh, in the King James Version, you hear the name Jehovah, which is a, a made up word from Yahweh. This is the, the God says, this is my name. Which means, I am who I am. I will be who I will be. This is who I am. And I will be with you. Tell him, I am has appeared to me. The God of the Hebrews, that's his name. Now it's interesting because that word Yahweh, of all the names that God uses in the Bible, just in the Old Testament, this one appears in the Old Testament more than 6,000 yeah, 6, times. El Shaddai appeared like 48 times. But Yahweh, every, now you have a Bible and it says, The Lord, all the words are caps. That's a reference to the name Yahweh, the Lord. Maybe you have a, a more a Jewish Bible will say Yahweh or Jehovah. That's why it says Jehovah God, Jehovah Yahweh Elohim. Every time you hear the word God, it's the word Elohim. So Elohim, Yahweh, now there's a personal name. The Lord said, by this name people will know me. The Lord introduced himself with a personal name relating to people. Telling Yahweh um, has sent you. 
Scholars call this the tetra, tetra, tetragrammaton. It's a, because when Jewish people were writing the Bible, every time they came into that name, they would switch pen. That's how much reverence they have for that name, Yahweh. And it's like, and by the way, how you pronounce it, it's almost like every time you go like, that's really what it is. It's almost like even in your breath, you have that name in you. I don't know if you knew that, but it's like, wow. Like, because they have so much reverence, they could not pronounce. And Yahweh told Moses, this is my name forever. Tell him Yahweh, which means I am who I am. Later on translated, Jehovah has sent you. So Jehovah is the God that's going to go with you, Moses. God's personal name. The Lord said, I will be with you. And, and I don't know about you, my friends, but when you feel downcast, when life struggles are really taking a toll on you, maybe it's time for you to remember his name. So that you don't suffer from an identity crisis. Moses said, who am, who am I? And the Lord said, no, you're going to, I'll be with you. Who, who, I'm nobody. I'll be with you. Go. Now, Francis Chan, had a, he has a quote. He said, from the very beginning, God's people are known as those whose God is with them. We belong to him, and there's no way that we can define ourselves apart from God. It is his presence in us that enables us to accomplish the task that he gives us. You and I cannot define ourselves apart from God. In fact, you know, when, when people talk about love, a lot of times we let Hollywood define what love is. We know love because God defines it for us. And, and, and the Bible says God is love. You know, you might not understand love fully because you know even Paul says I don't even know how to measure it how deep how wide how tall I, I just know that he loves me but God is the one who's defined love for us and who we are he created us therefore our creator has to be who define who we are not ourselves not the government not my feelings because my feelings sometimes well I feel like this who cares if God is the one who's going to define who you are he made you. He told Moses. Moses said, like, I'm nobody. I cannot even talk. Uh, you know, send somebody else because this is so hard for me. I'm happy where I am. And now you want me to go to the king of, king of Egypt. Who am I? I'll be with you. Amen. And my friend, that's all you need to hear. But Moses did not understand God. He did not know God. And yeah, what did he ask me for your name? Tell him, I, I am has sent you. Moses just had the first encounter. I mean, he, he did not know God. And that's why he's so insecure, so confused about his own identity. You know, Paul said to the, a group of people in Athens, Athens, the birth of philosophy right there. He was debating with uh, uh, Epicurean and Stoic philosophers at one time. And the philosophers, they had a saying, and, and Paul used that quote to talk about the God, the creator of the universe. Paul said in Acts 17, 28, in him, in God, we live and move and have our existence, have our being. In him, you and I need to find ourselves in him. That's how you know your identity got to be attached to him. Because apart from him, you don't, you don't even know how to define yourself. And apart from any other things, those things are fleeting. They might just... They will not last forever. But the I am says, I will be with you. You know, from that moment on, God entered into a covenant relationship with the Israelites. I mean, one time God says, you know, I'm the creator. The whole earth is mine. But out of the earth, I'm choosing you so that we have a, a relationship, so that we have a covenant. The, you know, to me, God said, Yahweh, you will be a treasured possession. There are many nations, but you, will, you and I will be special. I will be your God and you will be my people. 
So from that moment on, that's what Francis, Francis Chan says, the people of God, was, as the children of God, the nation of it, the children of the living God. And every time Israel fought a battle, who fought it for him? Yahweh. That's why even the Hittites, those Jebusites that we read about, they heard like, well, that's the God of the Hebrews. And you remember when Moses finally went and brought the people back and the Egyptians were persecuting them and they came to a place, this this. Uh, people came against Moses. They turn around. There's the Red Sea. No place to go. The Egyptians, the Egyptians are behind you. And, and, and the people crying out to Moses. And, and God said, hey, what do you have in your hands, Moses? You know, when God began to act, even the Egyptians says, hey, watch it. That's the finger of God on behalf of Israel protecting them. Because the people, they enter into this covenant. And the Israelites were, the Jewish people knew themselves that we are the children of God. You, you want to mess with us? You're messing with God, man. That's what David told Goliath. He said, you come against me with sword and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord, Yahweh. The name of the Lord, because the battle belongs to him. So when God made a promise to the Israelites, all those Hittites and Jebusites and Parasites, they, there was a Parasites people too. I don't know what but they were called. They could not withstand Israel because they're God. And you know what happens? You know, Egyptian was a poly, polytheistic uh, culture. They, they believed in a lot of gods. There was a God for fertility. There was a God for the sun. You, you go to Egyptian Egyptian museum in Chicago, there's still people throwing uh, coins and things to those statues, you know, uh, because they, they're dead. You know, Pharaoh, there was a belief that you can become God yourself after you die and, and all that stuff. Yahweh told Moses, the king of Egypt would not let you go. I'm going to compel them. I'm going to go through Egypt and I'm going to put to shame their gods. It's like the clash of the titans. Let's see who the real God is. The Egyptians' God could not do anything. When, when Moses said that the water is going to turn to blood because the Lord says so, boom. And at one time, Pharaoh's magicians could do that. They could duplicate, duplicate some, of, some, of the, some of the whatever Moses did. There was one time they could not and they told Pharaoh, hmm, this is the finger of God. This is beyond us. And still Pharaoh didn't want to let the Israelites go. And God had to send 10 plagues. And the last one was to kill his own son. Because he didn't want to listen to him. You see, it's interesting. Moses had an encounter with God. Did not know him. But he's, after that moment, he got to know the God of the Hebrews so much. That he learned to find himself in God. You know, he, he received the tablets. He was, he was the first prophet of God, truly. You know, later on, Jesus uh, did something for the disciples. And Moses even appeared. Moses and Elijah representing the law and the prophets. Every time we talk about the law, it has to do with Moses. He received the law. He taught it to the people. And at one time, the Israelites were so stubborn, like many of us at times. Chapter, this is chapter 3. When you go 30 chapters later, chapter 33, God had it with the Israelites. God's like, these people, they don't listen to me. And told Moses, Moses, I'm going to give you an angel to lead you into the land. But I'm not going with you this time. Mind you, verse 12, I am with you. I go with, I'll be with you, Moses. Chapter 33, because the people were so stubborn, they, you know, they did not listen to God. The Lord says, I'm not going with you. I'm, I'm going to give you an angel. Now, how many of us, if God said, I'll give you an angel, say, oh, yes, thank you. Most... Moses did not want an angel. He said, "Thank you." This is my translation. Thank you very much, Lord, but no thanks. I don't. I don't need no angel. If you're not going with us, don't send me. I'm not. I'm not going. So 
finally, Moses learned to, to find himself, you know, to define himself through God. Look at verse, uh, Exodus 33, verse 15 through 16. Moses told God, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us from here. We're not moving if you're not going with us. If you're present, it is your presence that will set us apart. It's your presence that will distinguish us from all the other peoples of, of the earth. They must say, your presence does not go with us. Do not send us from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? He says, what, what else will distinguish me and your people from the other peoples of the land? What separates us from everybody else is that you're going with us. Now you just want to give me an angel? No, no, no thank you. If you're not going with us, it's, um, Moses said, I'm not even going to lead these people. If you're not going, I'm not going. And you know, that has become kind of my motto. Like, Lord, you want me to preach a sermon? If you're not going to go with me, I wouldn't do it. If you want me to do this, but if you're not going with me, I'm going on a journey. But if you're not going, I don't want to take it. You know, Chris Thomas says, where you go, I go. Yeah. Where, I, where you stay, I stay. Whom you love, I love. What's the rest? I will follow you. <laughs> there it is. And, and this is secular, so every move you make, every step you take, I'll be watching you. God still be with you. It's like, I will go, every move I take, I'm going to go with you. Because, you know, even there, you see, Moses said, I'm not going if you're not going with me. So, because what else will distinguish me? You see, now he learned, I'm, I'm, dis I'm distinct from everybody else because you're going with us. It's your presence. And that's also the greatest weapon. Your presence, Lord, is going with us. So Moses said, don't, don't tell me to lead these people. You're not going. Otherwise, I'm not going on that journey. Moses finally found his true identity. Remember, that's so different from the guy many years later who says, like, who am I? I? I cannot even talk. And you're sending me to Pharaoh? Moses, from that moment on, he will go anywhere. He finally found his identity. He knew who he was in, in God, in the Lord. Must truly develop a relationship with God. To the point, you know, later on, Moses got so bold. The only man in the Bible who asked God to show him his face. You know, the Bible says nobody got to see God like face to face. But Moses was so comfortable with God. In chapter 33, he said, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your face. Moses developed this connection with God that when they were traveling through the wilderness, there was, there was a, a, a canopy, there was a tent that they set out. To, God, uh, to meet with God. And Moses would go in there. And when Moses came out, the Bible said he was glowing. Because the presence of God saturated his life. And, and to me, it's almost like, wow, can you imagine you spending so much time with God that it's so obvious. Everybody sees it. Moses had to put a veil because he was glowing. Spending time with God. He was the mediator between the people and God himself. That Moses that said, I cannot even talk. I don't want to go. Send somebody else. And look now how much he's, he's grown. To the point that he told God, hey, Lord, I want to see your face. And the Lord said, no, no man can see my face. Only dead people can see it. Now, I'm going to show you my back. Stand over there on the rock, and I'm going to pass by. And then you're going to see me. But he, he was so sad. Show me your glory, he said. My friend, when, when you and I struggle with our own identity, we don't know who we are. We don't know how, where we're going to find ourselves. I think it's time that we learn to find ourselves. In, in Jesus, in God. Not in my career, not in my, not in my friends or my sexuality, 
My family name, my beauty, my fame, my money. You're not, because those things are fleeting. Those things are going to go away. They will not last forever. You and I need to learn to find ourselves in Him. In God, we move and have our existence in Him. And we are who we are because of Him. Even though you might get up in the morning and you're like, man, I'm getting old. It's like, but guess what? You're getting old, yes, but you're still a child of God. And He said, I'm with you. I love that one of the promises. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you. Jesus said it too in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 28. And lo, I'm, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. When you go through those moments that you don't know who you are, look at the Creator. He says, you are my child, which therefore makes you special. You know, many times we get up and say, like, I don't feel special. I don't have any skills. Just like Moses, remember, you relate to him. It's like, who am I? You're my child. And if I created you and you're still kicking and you're living and breathing right here, I, I have plans for you that you might not know about. You're special and I'm going to accomplish my will and purposes through each and every one of you. Man, to me, that boggles my mind that God will use people like me to accomplish this. And he doesn't need me, by the way. He doesn't need any of us. And he still says, but I want to use you. Moses, the greatest leader of Israel, you know. How God used him when he learned, when Moses learned himself to find his identity in the Creator. And who told him? At one time, God said, Who? When Moses said, I don't know how to speak. And God said, But who, who made people mute and speak? So you're talking to the one who can, who can bring solution to your problem, Moses. But again, he didn't know who, who he was talking to. Oh, you know, I don't, I'm afraid. And you know how many times the Bible says, Do not fear? 365 times, almost like one per year. Do not fear because I'm with you. It's like, wow, man, that's what I needed to hear. You know, because sometimes, you know, I remember I went through a time one time, that, you know, I don't usually get stressed out, but I was going through, through a problem. And, you know, one time it was almost like I took all the burdens of the problem and I thought everything depended on me. And I was like, what am I going to do? Why is this happening, Lord? And why is like, you know, and it took one of those aha moments for me to realize that I was, I was developing this self-centered attitude. I was... Sleeping, I was drifting into a self-reliance instead of God's reliance. And then it dawned on me. I said, hold on. God already, if I'm a child of God, he said, he will fight my battle. Why am I getting stressed out then? Those people that, you know, whatever is going on here, I'm going to hang on to him because he said he's going to fight on my behalf. Okay, let me go eat now. And then, and then eating because I know God is going to take care of that. But, you know, sometimes we go through that moment and we forget at that moment. He says, I'm with you. I'm still here. You know, but Lord, but maybe I want to feel you in a special way like Moses. You know, it's like, I, I, you don't feel, you know the song, even though, even when you don't see him, he's working. We like to sing it, but let's not just sing that. Let's believe it. <laughs> because it sounds good, right? And we play, but it's like, yes, even when I don't see, you're still working right there, Lord. If you are a child of God, you know, how, how, do we come, how do we become children of God? You know, Jesus made that possible. He came to his own people, John 1.11. His own people did not receive, and yet to those who received them, to those who believe in his name, he gave them the right to be made children of God. That's who you are now, a child of the king. You know, who's your daddy? Yahweh. You know, the great provider, the one who fights all the battles. You know, the Israelites... From that moment on, they continue to have identity crisis. And somebody, a prophet, somebody had to come and remind them, you are the children of God. David had to remind that to, to, the, to the Israelites. How 
Dare Goliath insult my God, he said. I go fight him because I know the battle belongs to the Lord. And David had victory because he knew exactly who he was. The king did not know. Everybody else was shaking in their boots. But there was a young boy who says, I'm a child of God. I go face him. Why did he have that confidence? Because he never lost his identity. He knew exactly who he was. He knew also whom he represented. God, Yahweh. So when your identity is found in God, that will carry you through the ends of the, of the age, to the ends of time. Moses and the Israelites were known as the children of God. We are known as the children of God. This is our identity now. God said, I will be with you. I will be your God and you will be my people. As followers of Jesus, you and I always need to remember who we are and whom we represent. There's a text in the Bible. Paul is writing to a church in Corinth and he says, if anybody is in Christ, he and she, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has begun. That's your identity now. You know exactly who you are. And mind you, you might still be at work, but you know, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an engineer, I'm a mechanic, I'm a, I'm a nurse, I'm a teacher, but I'm a child of God. And I'm going to do all those things through that. And God's going to use me where I work, where I go to school to, to accomplish His purposes where He is placing me. See, why would a follower of Jesus struggle with his identity or experience identity crisis? I think we experience identity crisis when we remove God and we place ourselves. We, we, we think about something else. We forget. When we forget who we are, you always want to experience identity crisis. Elijah did it. Elijah, prophet of God, one time he ran away from his life because he, he was afraid of a woman named Jezebel. The man who prayed to God to call fire and fire happened. Whatever Elijah, Elijah prayed for, it happened and now he's afraid. Because at that moment, he was looking at the situation through his own eyes and not through the eyes of God. We do that all the time. You know, we look at the situation like, how am I going to do this? And the Lord says, yeah, you, when you run out of resources, I'm here. You know, usually God waits for us to just be going crazy because we just forgot. And like, when you're ready to talk to me, just I'm here to help you resolve that issue. When we forget who we represent, knowing God will help you know who you truly are. Knowing God, knowing the God of the Bible will truly help you define yourself through Him. You will know who you are because He's your creator. The more you know Him, the better you will understand your identity, who you are in Him. When Moses thought that he was nobody, it's because at that moment he did not know the God he was talking to. The more that you know the Lord the more you truly understand who you are. And the fear and all the insecurities and all the confusion, all those things will start to disappear because now you finally understood that the cure for my crisis of identity, you got to be found in the Lord. That I got to know who He is. The more I know who He is, then I, the more I will know myself. The greater I am. Paul says, and I want to conclude with this, in Him, when he, that Him was, was referring to Jesus, in Him we live, we move, and have our being, have our existence. You are a child of God. And that should make all the difference in the world. When you're battling things, when you whatever. Like you're a child of God, but you're dealing with depression now. You're a child of God, but you have a, uh, you're dealing with a relationship, uh, you know, might be broken, marriage or whatever. You're a child, but you're still a child of God. And, and then He will give you what you need what you need to receive at that moment. He, will, he can change that situation. I, I always learn in my own life, when God doesn't change the situation, you know what He changes? My perception. 
When he doesn't change the situation, he always changes something in me. It's like, oh, now I'm going to look at that situation through the eyes of Jesus. And it's like, okay, yeah, it might hurt, it might be painful, but I got it now. Because I learned to look at the situation through his lens and not my own. So, but he, he's the great I am. He can, I mean, you know, I don't know, I don't know what else to say. You know what I mean? Like, if he is the one who's defining me, he created me. He says, you, you got to find yourself in me. And then fear, insecurity, confusion, all those things will disappear. You will never have identity crisis. The crisis comes when we forget who he is and we forget who we are and whose we belong. We belong to him. So that's why you're here today because we need to be reminded because maybe you might be wrestling with that. And the Lord says, guess what? You're still my child and I'm with you. I'm with you. I never leave you nor forsake you. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that we can learn to find ourselves and define ourselves. Thank you for the example of Moses. Many of us can relate to him. Like, I don't know how in your, in your, in your providence, in your sovereignty, how you choose to, to use people like us. We're going to fail you. And, and many of us, are, we don't have our lives together. But yeah, you don't care about that. You said you say that you're going to use us regardless of our inadequacies, regardless of our slow speech. Regardless of our sinful behavior, Lord, you're still there to use us for your purposes. Lord, there's so many crises of identity in our society because they're looking to define themselves into something else except you, Lord. When we get to know you, we know that we're going to truly know who we are. And Father, thank you for your promises that you're always going to continue being with us even till the end of times. And even after time which will transcend with you forever and ever as your people and you as our God. Thank you for being our Father. And hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And thank you for giving us always our daily bread and for forgiving our sins and help us to forgive those that sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and glory forever and ever. Amen. We come to that part of our service, it's popularly known as an invitation time. It's, it's a decision.